Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thanks for uh, listening, watching, uh, observing. What's the other word I can look for? Our, our show here this morning, uh, here on President's Day. The let's, We're taping this. It's today's 18th. Was it 19, 20, 21st? The 21st of February, uh, I think. That's right. Um, anyway, so uh, thanks to Jim coming on to talk about the impacts of the legalization of marijuana. It was a very good segment. I learned a lot with that segment, and I'll uh, continue to talk about that, that program and uh, his reporting, and uh, we'll try to get that out to as many people as possible. Uh, let's make a transition, though. Uh, on the line or on in person with us, we have, we're very uh, pleased to have with us, uh, Molly Malone Rumley. She is with the, uh, oh my gosh, Illinois Right to Life. I almost throw a blank on that. And uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about some of the uh, pro-life issues that are going on at the state capitol that we're working on. Molly, are you there? Maybe. I am. Hello. Maybe. Hey, how are you? So, good. How oh, are you, you? You are in person. Okay. I wasn't sure if we were doing that in person or not. Uh, it's good to see you kind of again, virtually, I guess. We see each other virtually a lot, and we also see each other in person, so we, we do both. Um, Molly, thanks for taking some time this morning uh, to join us and talk a little bit about some of the issues in Springfield. I know that uh, you and Ralph Rivera, who I think many people's name, who recognize his name, uh, very involved in defending life at all stages. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, I think people know Illinois Right to Life, but uh, tell us a little about Right to Life. And you've been there, what, now a year? Is it a year or two? How, many, how long have you been there? Um, this is, I've been there a few years, so this is my fourth session. Um, (laughs) yeah, it goes by quick, but, um, there haven't really been a, uh, hasn't really been a normal session since I started. It's right. These virtual things. Right. Right. We spent a lot of time on zoom calls. Yeah. So, uh, it's not, uh, gratefully, it's not as intense as it was in, in the fall when we had so many things going on, but, um, it's still, busy enough. Tell us about some of the bills that you guys are working on at Illinois Right to Life. Yeah, so a couple of the bills that um, we've been working against um, are House Bill uh, 4247, which um, requires that all um, uh, public colleges uh, have at least one vending machine on campus that provides for uh, Plan B at a reduced cost capped at $40. So um, while, so plan B or emergency contraceptives, it's also considered uh, the morning after pill. So our big problem with this is that while it does work as a contraceptive, it also can work as an abortifacient. Um, And so uh, we do not think that taxpayers should be responsible to pay for the difference in price or even to have it on campus at all. Um, And then the other bill that we have been working against is House Bill 4221, which um, goes after the pregnancy resource centers. Um, And uh, both bills were actually originally introduced by Representative Barbara Hernandez. But what 4221 does is it requires that pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers uh, tell their clients in print and uh, in all their advertisement advertisements that they don't actually um, provide all of the resources that they say they do, even though uh, we know they do. <laughs> um, and it has to be, they have to say that this le- facility is not licensed as a medical facility by Illinois 
and has no licensed medical provider who provides or directly supervises the provisions of services. So um, obviously we have a huge problem with that um, because these are great centers that, that help a lot of women every year. Let's break down the two of them. Let's start at the uh, the first one you mentioned, House Bill 42, I, these numbers are not, 4247, uh, that's the uh, Representative Hernandez bill, and um, talking about the vending machines on campus, and I was joking the other day saying, you know, I think a vending machine, I'm thinking Snickers or, you know, a Coke or something like that, or Gatorade, if I'm, <laughs> I'm not thinking of uh, contraceptives or Plan B. So y- you testified in committee, and I didn't hear the committee debate. I don't know what was going on at the time, but I kind of, I missed that. Um, what's the argument for this? Is it, are they just saying it's just contraceptive? It sounds to me like what you're saying is they're fair, they're act, they're putting a lot of accent on, they're just contraceptives. Is that their argument? Yes, that's their argument. Right now, um, obviously, these are available over the counter. If you go to a pharmacy or if you <clears throat> if there's a health um, facility on campus, but mm-hmm. their argument is that these are just contraceptives. They, are, they do not believe that they're abortifacient in any way. And that the reason that they need them in vending machines is because uh, the pharmacies might be far away or the on-campus yeah. facility may not be open 24-7. So they want to just provide access to it all the time. I would think that there is a danger of if a vending machine is out on a public campus that, I mean, anybody could access a vending machine if they have the money. Uh, I know little kids probably don't have $30, $40, but I don't know. I think it's reasonable in today's world to think that a, you know, fifth sixth grader could have that kind of money in their pocket and 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 have access to those things is is there any like liability issues associated with having these drugs available in a vending machine well i i don't know about liability issues it seems um yeah like your scenario seems perfectly reasonable um that anyone could reasonably yeah. have access to these um they are available over the counter but at least there you have to talk to a somebody a, a person with right. some red flags if a sixth grader is buying this medication and you know i i read this bill a, a while ago and i'm trying to i'm drawing a blank but uh in the wording of the bill it, it, it how does it define what's going to be in the machine i can't i'm drawing a blank is it does it say contraceptives or does it say i think it does say uh i can't pronounce the name of the drug my fisterine the the morning after pill i think it says that doesn't it i i, I don't recall um I don't remember how it's worded. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. I was just curious in terms of how it was worded. So we need this, and and I would think that these uh, drugs are available at the public health center. Uh, Aren't they on a university campus? Yes, they are. Um, Once again, their their whole concern is that they're not available enough and or frequently enough because the health centers close at the end of the day or for the weekend or for holidays. Um, and so they want to make sure that these women have access to it 24-7. And it's just public universities. It's good to clarify that, like DePaul and Loyola, uh, Catholic or Christian or any private schools, are exempt. they're not included. It's just public universities. So it's Illinois State, That's correct. Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. UIC, those, those, those places. And uh, it's right. not so – and it's not and, – and, and I think there's also an issue with community colleges, correct? Is that out now? <laughs> Yes. So originally the bill included community colleges. There has been an amendment filed since 
that removes them from this bill. So the bill's out of the first committee, and now it goes to the full floor, and the deadline to get bills out of uh, the chamber of origin in the House is, what, two weeks or so? So they got two weeks to, to get this out, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah, everything is moving really quickly this year. Exactly, exactly. So um, I, I, I don't think we've put out an action alert on it, but we will. But do you guys have one out yet? Are you advising people to make calls yet or that kind of thing? We haven't advised people to make calls. I'm sure that will be forthcoming. Okay, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the bill just got out of committee a couple of days ago. So now that when it goes to the floor, I think we have like two weeks of intense floor action now uh, where these bills will be queued up and they'll have to get the requisite votes to pass them. Um, it, it was a partisan vote at a committee, as it, I'm sure it would, they all are. Uh, so, um, let's talk about, uh, now that we have vending machines, uh, taken care of, um, the other bit of legislation, I think we may be in a little better position here. Talk to us a little more about, uh, 4221 representative her, and that is now representative Cassidy's bill, uh, that, as you said, uh, it, it puts some onerous requirements on, uh, pregnancy centers and that bill though, it doesn't, hasn't moved as of yet, correct? Or still, I think we're still in the assignments committee. So that's a good thing. That, yes, that's right. So uh, there's good news and bad news about this bill. The good news is, as you said, it has not moved yet. Um, the good news is also that a really similar bill, if not an almost identical bill, was already struck down in California by right. the US Supreme Court a few years ago. Um, so it is blatantly unconstitutional and it, it's already been struck down. So that's the good news about it. The bad news, I would say, is... Um, it always makes me a little nervous when they switch sponsors, you know, someone might, uh, you know, have more time than someone else to, to, uh, committed to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're also concerned that even if this bill is unconstitutional, they could always amend it to make it constitutional and then it could move. So, uh, we are watching it very closely to make sure that nothing happens with it. Yeah. Uh, as as oftentimes happens in our world, uh, you're also watching the calendar and just and, and in a way hoping that they just not going to have enough time and capacity to deal with something this this controversial, especially if it has constitutional issues. So uh, hopefully that works in our favor, too. You know, the other twist on that bill, I was reading it the other day, is there's a Texas like component to it. In the way it's worded, it does allow for a private right of action uh, for any individual who f- perceives that pregnancy centers are not uh, abiding by that uh, those requirements with the signage and all that that you that you mentioned. So, you know, I think this is another just sort of uh, throw it on the wall and and see if it sticks type approach to to legislation. And sometimes that happens. I mean, and I have to say, it's been my experience as but watch out because sometimes those things do work. Yeah. Unfortunately, what, yeah. What else do you guys have on the docket in terms of the the pro-life agenda right now? Are those so, the two big ones, uh, right? Unfortunately, those are the, the bad bills that we are. Yeah, let's uh, talk working. about good things. That's a good yes. suggestion. Good for but, you. Yeah, right. I always like to talk about right. Yeah, right. the good stuff. Good. So um, there have been a lot of pro-life bills introduced in the last several years. Um but especially the last two years, a lot of the pro-life legislators are saying, hey, we, we want to do something to help pro-life. And so even though they know that their bills are not going to move, they're going to stay in the House Rules Committee or they're going to go to subcommittee, they 
they say, we want to do something. We want to at least make a statement and say, you know, we're still with you guys. So um, there have been probably about 20 pro-life bills introduced in the last um, year. I'm not sure about this session exactly, um, but there have been several, several introduced. Uh, there's an Ultrasound Opportunity Act, which just says that before a woman undergoes an abortion, she has to be given the opportunity to see her baby on the ultrasound screen. Um, there's another one that would put the uh, Parental Notification of Abortion Act back mm -hmm. in place. There is a repeal of the, of the um, Reproductive Health Act that passed a few years ago, so putting back the provisions that we had before. Um, there's a 20-week ban, there's a partial birth abortion ban, and there's even a tax credit for uh, pregnancy resource centers for people who donate to them. So these legislators, they really do want to do something to help. And we genuinely appreciate all that they've, all the work that they've done to introduce the bill and think of it and, um, and do what they can for pro-life. The Ultrasound Opportunity Act was the best bill ever written. We wrote that years ago. <laughs> we, we, a great we, bill. We, we, yeah, exactly. It, it is a great bill. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we got out of a committee and we just couldn't get it passed on the floor. And that was the last time we, we, we were even that close. We had a Democrat at the time who was willing to, to sponsor it, and he, and he was in leadership. And Joe Lyons, uh, state rep from the Northwest Side, did and pushed it. But we just couldn't get the votes to pass it on the floor. So unfortunately, that's the closest we've come. And that was, geez, probably almost 10 years ago at this stage. So it, it can happen. Uh, we just have to have a sponsor in the majority party. And unfortunately, no one has been willing mm -hmm. to take that on, which is there are some marg some some lawmakers who do self-identify as pro-life, but they're not in leadership and they've, they can't they can't do anything because the leadership won't let them. So um, I, I don't know where to go with that. You know, we're kind of, I mean, and, and I'm talking about the House, which is we actually have a slightly better hand there than the Senate, which is, I mean, it's two to one in the Senate. Uh, and the Democratic Party, the leaders, at least right now, there's no way they're going to let some of these bills go. It's too bad. You know, I was just wondering, like, you know, it's worth thinking about. I mean, could they even give us a subject matter hearing on it? Um, it would be interesting to even just ask for that. I, w you know, I don't know if we pursued that, but maybe we should. At some point in time, can you just give us a subject matter hearing on it? Um, what's wrong? I mean, subject matter hearings are just not voted on; they're discussed. But yeah, I don't right. even think I, I don't think we could get that right now. I don't know. What, what do you think? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Most of these bills, they yeah. they either sit in the first committee they go to in rules, or they yeah. are immediately in subcommittee and they're never thought of again. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, democracy at its best. Um, Molly, so let's talk a little bit about the calendar. We were kind of alluding to that. It's February. This show airs on the 20, whatever Monday is, the 21st. Uh, tell us where we go from here in Springfield. So from here, um, this is a really unique session. As I've said, I don't think I've been in a normal session since I started. But um, so normally the primaries are held in March. And so they can get the primaries done and they start uh, just pass, you know, business as usual. Um, but this year, the primaries are actually in June. And so a lot of these um, legislators want to be in their districts campaigning because their opponents are in their districts campaigning. And so instead of having like the full session, uh, they are intending to be out on April 8th, mm -hmm. um, though the new variant of the 
coronavirus um, kind of, I think, thwarted some of their plans with that. They've been uh, canceling quite a bit. So even though we had originally more days scheduled than we did last year, uh, we've really only been in the last two or three weeks. So um, this is a, an extremely sh shortened session. So if I didn't say it already, they're supposed to be out April 8th, which is about two months earlier than, well, actually, yeah, yeah about two months two earlier months. than normal. Yeah. Um, so we have an incredibly short amount of time to uh, see floor action, to see uh, whatever kinds of amendments they'll bring forth. So, um, yeah, the, the date is April 8th, but they could always go longer if they still have business to do or if they need to get the budget done or um, whatever things they think are important to get done before they adjourn for the year. It was a really interesting week this week. It was frustrating as all get out. I don't, I didn't even see you down there, um, but uh, chasing, trying to get meetings with lawmakers this week was virtually impossible because they were at least on the House side, they were doing their committee work, but they do them by Zoom now. So they're in their offices. Mm -hmm. You just can't meet with them because they're on Zoom calls on these committee hearings. And it's such a strange world now because if you want to go meet with them, you have to you have to either text them or get, get somehow run into them. But if there's a hearing you want to listen to or you have to testify in, you got to be in your hotel or your office. So... <laughs> It's really, right. that happened to me uh, the other day. Is like, I couldn't go over there because there was a hearing we were in. And, and I'm like, this is insane. So it's very, it was a very frustrating week, uh, I think. And yeah. uh, so, and then, but it looks like they're going to wrap up their, their committee work today. Uh, and then we'll mm -hmm. go from there, hopefully next week. And then, uh, like you said, I, I haven't counted the weeks, but just roughly doing the math from February 21st to April 8th, I think that's six or seven weeks. So um, not that we're complaining. Not that we're complaining. <laughs> the faster That's they go, right. the better. The better. Molly, thanks for taking some time this morning. It's very informative, very helpful. Uh, we'll probably see you next week back down there. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference, everybody. Don't go away. We're right back. We're going to be joined by Amy Zimmerman. Amy is the, let's see if I get her title right here. Exactly the practices. Uh, Assistant Vice President for State Government Affairs of the Jewish United Front. Actually, it's the Jewish Federation. I think most people know. We're going to be talking about uh, what was a bill and now is a budget issue. It's about uh, enacting the security grant program in the state of Illinois. Don't go away. We'll be right back.